Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event in Bible study for October 28th, 2007. And today, we'll finally get to the uh, Zeitgeist movie rebuttal. And this is a movie that's widely popular, particularly on the internet, that, um, I don't know, I guess it was about four months ago, I received an email from a lady, and... She's a, she's on my email list, um, and she had received this movie link to this movie, and the lady that sent it to her was very, very, very much caught up in essentially the New Age, white witchcraft, these types of things. She had been going around prior to this, sending everybody the link to watch The Secret, which is another teaching we've done separately. If you want to know about The Secret, just reference some of my previous audio tapes. Um, we do a full rebuttal on that as well. The secret is essentially like New Age name and claim it. Uh, it's what the televangelists have been doing for a long time in the pseudo-Christian movement. The Zeitgeist movie, though, is coming at it from a different angle. And I watched this movie, and it's particularly what we're going to be addressing today is the first 37 minutes of the Zeitgeist. The rest of the movie is in regard to um, the government having part in 9-11 and these types of things and how 9-11, the, um, the buildings they were, controlled demolition and these types of things and, and that the, uh, the private banking industries that essentially run the world. So see, there's a lot of truth in this documentary. And the problem you run into is when you start mixing truth with error and what you'll have the tendency to do and what they want you to do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's what Satan's goal is with this movie. See, we have to boil it back to, okay, is it of God or, or is it not of God, this movie? Well, the first 37 minutes are about as anti-Christ as you could possibly be. So, the problem you run into is that although there's merit to the rest of the movie... The first part is so corrupted in leaven, and the Bible says a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, and leaven is always a type of sin, that I don't advise anybody to, to um, you know, go up there and watch it. Whereas, you know, some of this could be used as a tool to help people. It's going to actually be used primarily, and what I've seen the fruit of this particularly has been causing a lot of people to fall away. Now, the Bible predicted this, that this was going to happen in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where it talks about how God will send strong delusion that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who receive not the love of the truth. Well, the ultimate love of the truth is the Lord Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, His shed blood, and that we can only obtain salvation through Him. And the very crux of this video is questioning all of that. Not only questioning, but going as far as they possibly can to condemn Jesus Christ, to portray Him as just another pagan deity, as a total liar. Then they go so far as to say that Jesus Christ never actually even existed. They, they, they go so far as to say this. Now, the first thing you have to understand is, where did they get this information from? Because the Bible says in Proverbs 11, verse 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What is the foundation of this movie? Well, the, the foundation of this movie is the first 37 minutes where they basically condemn Christianity. And what they do with this movie is they lump Catholicism, the Catholic Roman Catholic Church, which is the largest pagan cult on the planet as far as... I should say the largest pseudo-Christian pagan cult on the planet. It's nothing more than they are. They believe you're saved by works, the seven sacraments, and all their other pagan rituals. They basically equate the Catholic Church with Christianity, which is a very, very popular movement nowadays. There's, there's many things that you'll see where when Christianity is referred to, they automatically refer to it as Catholics. Catholics are the farthest thing from a Christian that you could absolutely be. Catholics are a stench in God's nostrils. Catholicism has, is, is contrary to the gospel of Christ. The Bible says, For you are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So you're saved by grace through faith. Faith in who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Okay? 
was uh, John 14, 6. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16. So we've, we've got these verses in the Bible that are very, very clear on how you get saved. Now, let's go back to Ephesians 2.8 and 9, where it said, For you're saved by grace through faith, faith in Jesus Christ, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Well, the Catholic religion teaches that you get saved through works, which is an abomination in the sight of God, because God will share his glory with no one. And all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, according to Isaiah 64, 6. So, our best day, as a Catholic, if you're a Catholic, is a filthy rag in God's sight. Because you're not doing it through Jesus Christ. You're doing it through your own works. So, when you start to equate the Catholic Church with Christianity, that's a lie, that's a joke, and it's an abomination. There is another... The, the true group of Christians that came from Antioch, because they were first called Christians in Antioch, according to Acts... That is the stream of Christians when we refer to a Bible-believing Christian. And I'm not even going to put a denominational label on it. Okay? That is the stream of Christians I am in reference to. This is the stream of, of Christians that we're in reference to when we quote Bible verses. Not the Catholic Church. Who are responsible for, who are responsible for and I will agree, the slaughter of millions and millions and millions of people through some of the most horrific measures that you've ever even could conceive and, and I've done whole teachings on this just reference my teaching uh, teachings on all the Catholic atrocities so please when when you're going to reference Christians don't don't lump us in with the Catholics because we have nothing to do with them the Catholics are going to be most likely the head of the one world church whore that's predicted in Revelation most likely, all other religions are going to come, come underneath her, and they're going to form the one world religion of the Antichrist. One world political system, one world currency, one world government. Catholic Church is going to be most likely the head of that. So, that's the first, I guess, um, thing that I wanted to mention about this first 37 minutes, because they go out of their way to point that out. Near the start of this video, they have this thing by George Carlin, who's one of the most foul-mouthed comedians that, you know, ever walked the planet. And he gets into this big thing about God, and what George's opinion is on God. Now, remember, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14.6 and Proverbs 16.25. So, George is up there, and he's, he's rent and raving, cussing, and these types of things about God, and about how that, you know, all religion is a total scam. And again, this video, this thir first 37 minutes of the zeitgeist, is the ultimate of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Okay? So he's up there cussing and doing what he's doing, and basically saying, you know, this God up in the sky, and, and, and you know, he's going to send you to hell if you don't do this and that, and and, and then, he's, then he's basically... Um, what he's trying to do is portray all churches everywhere with any kind of Christian veneer to them as a total control mechanism for the masses. Now, I will say that for the most part, he's probably right from the standpoint that most churches, who are not even churches in God's eyes, these 501c3 institutions that don't even know what the real Bible is, which is the King James Bible, they're 501c3 churches yoked up with the government, yoked up with the Internal Revenue Service. Show me, show me where, where we're supposed to do that in the Bible. They're nothing but whores. They're preaching a false, feel-good gospel, at best, and at worst, they're like the Catholics, who are just nothing more than really a pagan cult, repackaged with a Christian veneer. He's saying how all these churches are being used to control the masses. And then he goes on to say that, you know, this God that's up in the sky, the one thing about him is that he always needs money. And obviously that was a hit on the televangelists and the Catholic churches. Catholic Church is one of the richest institutions on the planet, if not the richest. Read the book, The Vatican's Billions. You can reference that online. And yes, what's going on, particularly in televangelism and most churches across America, is a total abomination from the pit of hell. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that thou shalt try to fleece the flock in order to garner and gain as much money as humanly possible so that we can big build, 
build big edifices and big buildings, and so that the so that the preachers and their and their whatever staff can you know particularly the, the guys at the top can live in these gigantic mansions and have planes and fly around the world like a lot of these preachers do. That's an abomination from the pit of hell. But see what. Satan loves to do is lump true Bible-believing Christians in with all of that. Because it's so convenient. It's so easy. It's such an easy scapegoat. So that when, when the time comes when people are disenchanted with Christianity, they're going to lump true Bible-believing Christians in with all the other apostate reprobates. Now, I pray to God their souls be saved. I don't want any of them to go to hell. And, Jesus, and, and, the, and the Bible says that it's His will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But I'm telling you right now, these people in these churches, that's where they're heading for the most part, because they believe the false gospel. They're not trying to live any kind of holy life. They've got no conviction of sin in their life. And if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, there's going to be some type of conviction of sin and chastening of the Lord. Because the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you be without chastisement, you're bastards. A bastard is an illegitimate son. So, I just don't see a whole lot of evidence that these people are actually saved. I don't really see a whole lot of evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith, temperance. I don't see a lot of this in the average church member. And I'm not saying I'm Mr. Perfect, and I've got everything figured out. As, as I've said before, if there was a verse that I felt most linked to, it's, it's when Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man I am, that I am. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? So that's what I think about myself. So in, in case anybody starts to think that, that I'm Mr. Sanctimonious and, I, and I'm Mr. Living in Sinless Perfection, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. Okay, Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm nothing and only worthy of death. Okay, I would be the first to admit that. In fact, I'd be the first to take God's side against me. Scott Johnson, I would be the first to do that. So, please don't put words in my mouth in that regard. I'm just trying to point out some obvious facts in regard to the Laodicean church age, which was clearly predicted that there would be a falling away, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that according to Revelation 3, we're in the Laodicean church age, where the church is neither hot nor cold, but lukewarm, and, and God is going to vomit it out of, her, out of his mouth. The Bible says the judgment must begin at the house of the Lord, and that's what's coming, and it also says in the New Testament that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect, and that, that the Antichrist is going to come with all lying signs and wonders. And then in 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Well, that's where we're at giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Isn't that where we're at in the latter times? People that are now giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils? Somebody that preaches this type of way is, is looked upon as an absolute outcast? Why don't I just let go and let God, is what I've been told. Well, show me book, chapter, and verse on that one. Well, anyway, I know that was a long intro. Okay, But I felt it necessary, because I've really been wanting to do this teaching a long time on this zeitgeist, and to do a full rebuttal. I don't know how long this is going to take. I've got a lot to cover here um, today, but I feel as though it has to be covered in a very thorough manner. Because this heresy really is easily refuted. You're going to see that this is baseless. And this, and this movie is based, the first 37 minutes, again, I go back to the point where we say, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? What's the foundation of this movie? The foundation of the material that they put in the first 37 minutes of this, of this movie is from a book called The Christ Conspiracy. Okay, we're going to talk more about this. Now, The Christ Conspiracy is baseless. It's been refuted. No serious scholar would even look at this thing. But because they can repackage it into a nice video format, and it looks all impressive, a lot of people are buying this hook, line, and sinker. So, the Zeitgeist movie rebuttal. Uh, I'm going to be quoting from different sources online to kind of give a very complete um, view of this. Now, you can go up in, in type in Zeitgeist Movie, I'm going to actually have this material that I'm going over today in a PDF format as well. So, you'll be able to get this. Um, most of what we're, we're going to be talking about today is, is referenced material, and it's, like I said, 
you could literally do a, I don't know how many hour teaching on this, with all the material there is to rebut the first 37 minutes. But I had to stop somewhere. Okay, so I'm just going to try to hit the high points today. But you can go up. It's, it's zeitgeistmovie.com. I believe you can go, you can watch it on YouTube or Google or whatever. I don't advise it. Okay, because there's profanity and all this other stuff in it. But uh, it's really sweeping. I have had more people email me the link to this movie. I mean, people that that are are not even religious or anything, and they're 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 including it as attachments to their emails, on, like an automatic attachment. They they're so evidently moved by this movie, and it's affecting so many people that they're doing. It. And I've never seen anybody do that. I mean, most people are pretty neutral when they when they email back and forth. But I've, I've had secular people email me this, thinking that it's a good thing. I've had Christians email this to me, almost like thinking uh, like it's a good thing or something. And it, it's, it's a damnable heresy, according to the Bible. So it's the zeitgeistmovie.com. Um, Zeitgeist is spelled Z-E-I-T-G-E-I-S-T. So, its first 37 minutes is essentially a baseless theory focused on attacking the Christian faith. What is interesting, though, is that while nearly all the assertions put forth in the first 37 minutes in the movie are completely wrong, the end fear promoted by the movie is actually correct and backed by scripture depending on one's worldview of biblical eschatology. So see, the end view, where they're talking about one world government and these types of things, is actually biblical. And yet they're attacking the very book... So see, they can't make up their mind. And you're going to see in this movie, they can't even get their paganism right. They don't even have their paganism that they're quoting even remotely right. So what makes me think they're going to have the Christianity end right? The purpose of this article is to address the first 37 minutes put forth in this movie. That Jesus is a mythological amalgamation of various pagan gods and deities that were invented by the Egyptians and other cultures. Time will, will not be spent addressing the two other major claims in the movie, which we talked about earlier. We just don't have time to get into that. But most of it, although I didn't, I can't say I've watched the other part, because I wanted to focus on this. But from what I've heard, the, the other parts are most likely true. And if you have any doubts about 9-11, just email me. My email address is on the, the Sermons Audio site, and I will load your boat with... Tons of documentation that's not my opinion in regard to 9-11. Or if you doubt the banking families, the, all, all the, the things in regard to how they run the world. Now, the thing you have to understand is Jesus Christ is on the throne. Okay? I'm not saying this in a lack of faith in regard to, oh, they're, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse and Jesus doesn't have any say in all these other things. He's letting this happen. He, and it, it's clearly predicted it was going to happen. These are the things we should look out for. The biggest thing that Jesus said in regard to the end times was be not deceived. It's tough to be not deceived now when there's more deception now than any other time in history. And this Zeitgeist movie, Zeitgeist movie is one of the largest deceptions I've seen come down the pike lately. The allegations concerning Jesus in the Zeitgeist movie can be summarized as follows. Uh, number one, the Jesus proclaimed in the Bible is not a historical person. In other words, he never even existed. Oh, oh we're going to look at that. And the fact, and in fact, he never existed, according to this movie. Instead, Jesus found in the pages of the New Testament Gospels is an invention of biblical authors who painstakingly copied attributes of ancient pagan deities and created a new God to be worshipped. What an asinine! We're going to see how asinine this is. Because me saying it's asinine doesn't make it asinine until it's been proven, right? Well, we're going to, we're going to prove that today. Jesus mirrors various pagan deities in very exacting ways, such as in the manner of his birth, life, death, and resurrection. Further, the movie asserts that astrology is the foundation behind much of the writing in Scripture. The end con Even though Scripture totally condemns astrology... Listen to my witchcraft practices biblically defined. It was the new audio I put up recently. You can see it. Listen to that. Witchcraft practices biblically defined. Okay, and we're going to talk about astrology. And the Bible totally condemns it. Okay, if we go further. 
The end conclusion is that Christianity is a myth, just as all pagan religions that came before it, and therefore it is untrue. To address these assertions, it is helpful to break them up into three groups. The subject of astrology in the Bible, the supposed similarities between Jesus and mythological heroes, and the evidence of, truthful, of the truthfulness of the Gospel accounts. The Zeitgeist is the... The name is German, and it means spirit of the age. Okay? The movie places a great emphasis on how the Bible is based on astrology and the stars. Perhaps one of the most telling statements in all the Bible regarding the importance God places on the stars is made in Genesis 1.16. So let's just go there real quick. We're going to be flipping to a lot of different scriptures today. Genesis 1.16 And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Okay. Some biblical commentators have said this brevity of description is deliberate. In other words, the stars are a pretty big deal, right? I mean, each star is like, a lot of them are... are hundred or thousand times bigger than even our sun. Of course, our sun is a star, but I'm just saying that there's a lot of stars out there that are much bigger. But this is really all it says here at the start of Genesis. He made two, two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night, which would be, you know, the moon and, and the, uh, the sun. And then he said he made the stars also. That's all he says. Some biblical commentators have said this brevity of description is deliberate. As God wants to be to in no way to give the stars significance. In truth, rather than giving the stars, the sun, the moon any value over what they were created for, there are a number of places in scripture that denounce their worship. Okay, where does it say that? Deuteronomy 4.19. So see, if their assertions are true, why in the world would the Bible be denouncing astrology and the worship of stars if they're saying the Bible's based on astrology, which is a totally asinine statement. Baseless. So let's go to Deuteronomy 4.19. Deuteron the reason I, I'm not... These verses were in there, but this guy's not quoting from the KJV. So I'm not going to read these verses. And if you have any doubts on if the King James Bible is the Word of God, again, email me and I'll get you the full... Um, study on that. Deuteronomy 4.19 And lest thou lift... Now this is a warning basically from God about corrupting yourselves. And he says, And lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the hosts of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all the nations under the whole heaven. He doesn't want you to do this. Okay? He's, and it says in verse 24, for the, Lord, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire and even a jealous God. He'll have no other gods before him, including stars and all the hosts of heaven. You're not supposed to worship these things. Okay? Then if we go to, um, let's go to Deuteronomy 17, verse 2. Deuteronomy 17, verse 2 says... If there be found any among you within any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman. Now, understand this is under Old Testament Levitical law. Okay, I'm not saying we're under this current dispensation we're supposed to go out and kill people. Alright, because Christ is a better covenant. Okay, but at the time, this was the, this was the, uh, this was the sentence. If there be found any among you, among you any of the gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods and worshipped them, either the sun or the moon or any of the other hosts of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it be told thee, and thou hast heard it, and inquired diligently, and behold it, and behold it be true, and the thing's certain, in other words, God wants you to make sure this person is actually worshipping the sun, the moon, or the stars. He wants you to make sure. He doesn't want you just to go off half-cocked. Okay. 
and that such abomination is wrought in Israel, then thou shalt bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing under the gates, even that man or that woman, and shall stone them with stones till they die. That was the sentence imposed on somebody that was into astrology or worshipping the sun, the moon, stars. Now, understand something. If you're reading your horoscope every day, if you were doing that back then, that would be enough for you to get you stoned. It would be, because that's what a horoscope is based on, astrology. If you were giving any credence to astrology, and somebody found out you were doing this back then, now, you may say, well, I, I don't believe God's that way, He's a loving God. Well, this is His Word. So your argument is not with me, it's with the Word of God. It doesn't really matter what you believe. Are, what you're believing, are you willing to risk your eternal soul and your spirit on it? Because most people are. Most people, you know, they worship the God of their own opinion. Well, I don't believe God would do that. He's a God of love. Well, yeah, he's also, he also hates sin. He's also a God of judgment. He's a God of balance as well. And he hates sin. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroyed a lot of wicked, heathen, pagan people. He had to destroy massive parts of Israel at different times. Okay? So, your argument's not with me. It's with the Lord. It's with His Word. Opinions, most of the time, and the vast majority of the time, are the main reason people are going to go to hell. Because they're trusting in their opinion more than they are the Word of God. Because they want to be able to justify their sin. And you know what? The Zeitgeist movie, watching it, that was the biggest thing that popped into my head. Somebody that would put out something like this, that is so unsubstantiated, so unfounded, so baseless, so asinine. And I, I'm sorry, I, I had uh, somebody email me the other day and said, uh, if I please refrain from using the word asinine. Asinine is not a cuss word. It's a word in the dictionary that essentially, you know, means, um, for back, lack of a better word, stupid, I guess. These types of things. It's not a cuss word, though. Okay, but I'll try to I'll try to refrain when I can. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to put a stumbling block before my brother. I'm not making fun of that person. I'm just saying that it's hard sometimes if, if I'm in the heat of battle here to not use particular words. But anyway, um, if we go, I got off track here. So Deuteronomy 4:19. This was a death sentence. Okay, would be imposed on somebody that was practicing astrology. Yet this movie is basically saying that. The whole Christian faith is all about astrology. That's all it's ever really been about. In fact, the Bible, it's, it's asinine. I'm sorry, it is. It's crazy. I can't help but use the word. I don't know a more appropriate word to use. See, I think stupid's more harsh. That's how it sounds to me. Stupid more, sounds more like a, I don't know, like, I don't know. Anyway, sorry. So, I apologize. Um, somebody that made the, this movie, The Zeitgeist, the biggest impression that I got was that the person that was putting this forth was guided by the demons, most likely possessing them. And I mean that literally. I mean that. Oh, now you're really getting off in left field. Well, let me ask you a question. What spirit guided these people to make this movie? Was it God? I don't think so. Was it the Lord Jesus Christ? No. There's no way. They wouldn't do something so contrary to Scripture. Most of the time, when this type of information is put out, what's the real motivation behind it? Well, the, the spiritual motivation regarding the demons that are emanating and operating through these people, and what it all boils down to is to see how many people they can take to hell eventually. They want to get you in hell, and they don't care how they have to deceive you to do it. That's ultimately the goal, because if we go a thousand years from now, that's all that's going to matter. Who's in heaven and who's in hell? I understand there's things like rewards and things like this, but I'm talking about where the rubber really meets the road. A movie like this is going to be used mightily in the hand of Satan to take a lot of people to hell. They're believing a lie. They're putting their faith in a lie, which cannot profit. This lie, ultimately, if they base their life on it, they're going to wind up in hell. So this is a very serious matter. But beyond that, what it does 
people that buy into this and people put out, that put out this kind of unsubstantiated stuff like this, one of the ultimate self-centered reasons they want to do this is because then they have a license to sin and live like the devil. That's the real reason that they want to do it personally. Because they're not thinking about heaven and hell so much. They don't want to dwell on those types of issues. They would rather just, you know, not even address the issue or, or explain that away in whatever philosophy they want to use. But what this does is it gives them, in their minds, a license to sin and live like the devil because if they can condemn all religion, including Bible-believing Christianity, and lump them in with the Catholic Church, then hey, there's no real truth. I can live like the devil. I can be married, drink, for t tomorrow we die, as the Bible talks about, and we can live whatever way we want to live. That's the ultimate motivation. They want it that way. Because they don't want to have to be accountable to a holy God. That's, and that's the real reason. But you know what? It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter if you or they don't want to be accountable to a holy God. Because you know what? You're going to be. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. If you are a Christian, the Bible says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. As a, as a born-again, Bible-believing Christian, we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't believe it's going to be a pretty place for most people. The Bible says that some will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now exactly what that means, I don't know. But it doesn't sound real great. But they'll be saved. But the great white throne judgment, which is for unbelievers, is where the vast majority of people are going. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Broad is the way which leadeth to destruction. And many there be that go thereat. So, I know just because what the Bible says that the vast majority of people aren't going to be saved. And they're going to wind up at the great white throne judgment where they're going to be cast into the lake of fire to burn forever for all eternity. That's the, those two scenarios are the ultimate end of everybody listening to this tape right now. This audio. Either the judgment seat of Christ to heaven or the great white throne judgment into the lake of fire. People don't want to be accountable to a God like that. They don't even want to believe He really exists. They want to explain away and discredit Jesus Christ any way they possibly can so that they can have a license to sin and live like the devil and not have any convictions. Take away, take away from us this Holy One of Israel as the Bible talks about where, where, where a lot of times Israel got into that mode. They didn't want to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we go further into Isaiah 47.13 Isaiah 47.13 Here's another um, warning from the Lord. This is judgment upon Babylon. Let's just start at verse 12. Stand now with thine enchantments and with the multitude of thy sorceries, we're talking about witchcraft here, wherein thou hast labored from thy youth, if so be thou shalt be able to profit, if so be thou mayest prevail. In other words, are, are you going to be able to profit and prevail through witchcraft? In the sight of God? I don't think so. Verse 13, Thou art wearied in the multitude of thy counsels. Let now the astrologers, and the stargazers, and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee from these things which shall come upon thee. God's, God's mocking them. Because they put all their faith in astrologers and stargazers and prognosticators, or whoever else, all their witches and sorcerers. He said, he said do it. God said, do it. Let now the astrologers and the stargazers and the monthly prognosticators stand up and save thee. See, they can't save them from these things which shall come upon thee. Behold, they shall be as a stubble. The fire shall burn them. They shall not deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There shall, there shall not be a coal to warm at, nor fire to sit by it. So, God's challenging them. See, astrology is not going to save you. So I wanted to just establish that right off the bat, that, this, this, that the Bible has nothing to do with astrology. Okay, it's, it's actually the very thing that's condemned in the, in the sentence in Old Testament Levitical law was a death sentence. So it's pretty serious in God's eyes. And it's still pretty serious in God's eyes today. Because the Bible says, I am the Lord, I changeth not. 
So we go further. It says, in addition to the general faulty concept of astrology and the Bible being joined at the hip, the specific statements made in the film about the supposed link reflect a disregard for historical facts. For example, the movie states that the number 12 in the Bible refers to the 12 zodiacal signs. So the 12 patriarchs, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples of Jesus, etc. are supposed to match the number of the astrological signs. This is without... This is out of the realm of possibility, as Genesis was written around 1000 B.C., with the actual events having occurred even earlier. History shows that the division of the stars and the constellations in, into the 12 zodiacal signs did not occur until the Babylonians made the divisions around the 5th century B.C., so their timing is totally off. We just, we're just scratching the surface here on way, different ways that this information can be refuted and rebutted. The meteor part of the first section of the movie is devoted to the allegations of Jesus Christ being nothing but a combination of pagan deity attributes that the gospel writers borrowed to create their own new God. For this short refutation, focus will be given on what appears to be the major authority used in this portion of the movie, and the first major mythological figure presented as the forerunner of Jesus, who they refer to as Horus. So basically what they're saying in this movie, the big thing about this is that Horus, which is a pagan god that we're going to talk extensively about today, was all Jesus was was basically a repackaged version of Horus. That's what we're going to be looking at today. Using the logic that if the research on their primary character is flawed, which it is, it is likely the same faulty investigation methods and materials will be presented in everything else that, they, that follows. Also note that it is the absence of documented scholarly, scholarly material supporting the movie's stance that challenges the position stated in the film. See, I believe there's probably a lot of truth after the first 37 minutes, but they totally discredit themselves. I mean, religion 101, you're going to hear a lot today, that word used out. We're going to talk about how incredibly ludicrous their, their, their assertions are. And really, by making these assertions in the first 37 minutes, really what they're doing is discrediting the whole rest of the movie. The Zeitgeist movie makes these claims about the Egyptian god Horus. He was born on December 31st of a virgin by Isis. Okay, now we're going to talk a lot about December 25th, okay? Because, let me tell you, just state this right up front, to whet your appetite on this. December 25th has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. His birth, nothing. Never did, never will. Okay, we're going to talk about this in depth. So, I could care less if Horace was born on December 25th, or October 25th, or January, I could care less, because that has no bearing on Jesus Christ. It has bearing on pagan religion, but not on the Lord Jesus Christ, and, his, and the Word of God. So we're going to, bear with me on that. The second thing that the Zeitgeist movie claims about the Egyptian god Horus is that a star in the east was proclaimed his arrival, and then three kings came to adore the newborn Savior. He was a prodigal teacher at the age of 12. At age of 30, he was baptized and began his ministry. Horus had 12 disciples. Horus was betrayed. He was crucified. He was buried for three days. He was re resurrected after three days. We're going to look at all of these things. Okay, and see if, if we can historically prove this is true. Now, this, this report that I'm, I'm talking about today, that we're reading from, is heavily referenced... Okay, there's, there's already guys that have went up there and rebutted the Christ conspiracy and the Zeitgeist movie. Because really, rebutting the Zeitgeist movie, you have to rebut the Christ conspiracy. So, it's already been done. It's just that somebody going up there watching this movie, knowing nothing about, um, you know, the Bible or, or these types of things, they're there's a good likelihood they're going to get sucked into this because it's impressive in the way that they present it. They're so matter-of-fact, so flippant, and they're very matter-of-fact in a very arrogant way. As though it's just a foregone conclusion. And, you know, you stupid people, why didn't you just know all of this? Because, you know, you should have known this. Because, you know, it's just a matter-of-fact. You've been lied to your whole life. You know, basically what they're saying is, is they're... Their basic version, if you were to believe them, is that God is dead, essentially. Because that's basically what they're saying. The God of the Bible is, is a fallacy. 
if we would believe what they said. Do you realize how many people are going to go to hell as a result of this movie? And that the people that made the Zeitgeist movie, their blood is going to be on their hands. Do you realize the punishment in hell that they're going to have to pay because of their actions that they took on earth by making this movie? And that's not just them. It's a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's not going to be pretty. So, if all these assertions that I just read were true, this would certainly be unsettling to the followers of Christ. In fact, our faith would be in vain. Okay? However, walking through each point in detail is quite revealing. First, it is true that the Egyptian legend Horus being, was born to Isis. Okay? But the trailing name Mary used in the movie, where did that come from? In other words, they're, create, they're equating Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, with Isis. Okay? We're going to talk more about this, so again, bear with me. But, there's no mention of any Egyptian literature that links the name Isis to the name Mary, number one. Isis was not a virgin, also. Mary was a virgin. You know, the Immaculate Conception thing? Okay, Isis was not a virgin. We're going to talk about Isis. The great whore Isis. We're going to talk about her. Neither account of Horus' birth makes this statement. Now, this is from paganism. I'm not trying to prove this even... I'm trying to use... Even pagan sources don't even agree with what's said in this movie. That's why I said they don't even have their paganism even remotely right in this movie. Neither account of Horus' birth makes this statement... Instead, readers are told that Isis was not a virgin, but the widow of Osiris. Now, this is what the pagan literature says. The, 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 the pagan literature that's, that's well documented and verified. Okay? She wasn't a virgin, but she was the widow of Osiris, which was another Egyptian god. Now, let's go... Now, I'm going to segue into this point further. Because I, if I get too far off this track, it's going to be hard to get back on this. This is part of a teaching that I did previously. But I have to, I have to elaborate on this part about December 21st, December 21st and Mary in order to make the, uh, the point more clear here. This is from a, uh, I believe, the Battle Cry, which is from Chick Track, January Fe- the January-February edition of 2007 by a guy named David Daniels. And it's, it's entitled, You Probably Know This Woman. To the Aztecs, she was known as Talaza Talaza Teotl. <laughs> I can't even say this word. The goddess of filth. Okay. So this is to the Aztecs. She was known as Talas Olta Otul. The goddess of filth. Gambling, prostitution, and witchcraft, among other things. She was known to the Aztecs as Kotalakwa. She was spoken, she was the goddess of the moon, and of the morning, and the evening star, also known as Venus. People who spoke different languages called her by different names. See, this is one thing you have to understand about paganism. Different cultures would split from different cultures, because God divided them at the Tower of Babel, and many, many times what they would do is they would take the same pagan deities back to their own culture, but they would adopt different names. They had different languages now, and now they had different ways of speaking. So, what they would do is they would call different pagan deities who were essentially the same thing, just different names and different cultures. That's all we're talking about here. So, she was the goddess of the moon and of the morning star, Venus. People who spoke different languages called her by other names. Some called her Hecti. Some called her Astarte. Now, these are, these are in the Bible, these, these names. Aphrodite. Venus. Isis. Remember we talked about Isis and Horus and Osiris? Semiramis. Some called her Semiramis. Some called her Ishtar. The fertility goddess. Which is where we derive the word Easter from. Ishtar. Easter. And again, I've done a whole teaching on this. You can go on my thing. If you want to know more about either Christmas or Easter, go up and access my teachings on Sermons Audio and, and you can have a whole teaching on it. Because I don't have time to go down that rabbit trail. Did I get it? Rabbit trail Easter? Sorry. Little little humor, little levity injected in there. I just thought of that. <laughs> so, the word Easter 
is the first Sunday after the new moon of another pagan holiday known as Ostara. See, Easter is actually determined through astrology. Did you know that? Easter, just like the Roman Catholic Church has nothing to do with true Bible-believing Christianity, Easter and Christmas, actually should call Xmas, have nothing to do with Christianity. Nothing. Why? I, I can't believe my preacher didn't tell me this. What, why, why did he lie to me all this? Because he is fearing man more than he fears God. And he wants that paycheck. Most likely he's a hireling. And he has no true love for the flock because he's not telling you the truth. If he, was really, if he really had true love for the flock, why is he not telling you the truth? Why isn't he seeking these things out? I'm nobody special. I wasn't even saved until 90, what was it, 93? I, mean, I didn't grow up in the Christian church. I basically grew up in paganism. These men had a whole lifetime most of the time to, to find these things out. They're there. I'm not saying it because I think I'm better. I'm just saying. I just don't can't quite figure it out. So if we go further... Easter is the first Sunday after the new moon of another pagan holiday known as Ostara. So that's how they determine Easter. It's the first Sunday after the first new moon of another pagan holiday known as Ostara, which is around March 21st or 22nd. The goddess Ostara, for whom Easter is named, actually this is where we also get the word Ishtar, Ostara, Ishtar, Easter. The goddess Ostara for whom Easter is named, Ostara as well as Easter is one of the Illuminati's high nights of human sacrifice. Now, if you listen to our teaching, our lighthearted teaching last week on Halloween, I say that tongue-in-cheek, you will know that Halloween is the highest night of human sacrifice in the occult pagan calendar. I'm not making this stuff up. It's been this way for a long time. Okay? What the Catholic Church did is they came in and they adopted the pagan calendar into their system of worship so that they could appease the pagans, and what they did is they put Christian veneers on all these little pagan holidays to make the Christians feel more comfortable if they came into their whorish church. That's why the Bible says, Wherefore come out from among her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her plagues. Because if you don't come out from among her, you're going to get the plagues that fall on this whore. That's why the Bible says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what, what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and Christ with Belial, which is the devil. 2 Corinthians 6.14 So these are, these are things that we need to do as Christians. So, I said all this to say also, this woman that we're in reference to here, this goddess that we're in reference to, she's also known as the Roman Catholic goddess, the Virgin Mary. See, the Virgin Mary of the Catholic Church is not Mary of the Bible who bore the Jesus Christ. They can say that all day long, but it's not. It's a goddess they worship. In times past, she might have been called Diana, or Ishtar, or Aphrodite, or Venus, or Astarte, or Semiramis, or whatever. It's just repackaged paganism. Is all the Roman Catholic Church is. Period. Her son, now this is the son of this goddess had many names as well. Some of them are Horus. Now, isn't that who we are in reference to today here? Horus? Harpocrates. Not Hippocrates, but Harpocrates. Mithras. Soul Inviticus. Now, I, I, that, that name has a nice ring to it, doesn't it, Doug? Soul Inviticus. No, no, it just rolls off the tongue. But anyway, Hercules, Attis, and Tammuz. Now, we hear a lot in pagan deity about Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz back at the Tower of Babel. That's probably the actual real start of all of this paganism. And what happened is, is these deities just became, got different names and became repackaged with a little different veneer over the centuries. But the original one was most likely Nimrod, Semiramis, and Tammuz. Nimrod being the father figure, Tammuz being the child son figure, and Semiramis being the mother goddess figure. Okay, in this regard of what we're talking about today, Horus is the son figure, Osiris is the father figure, and um, Isis is the mother goddess figure. Okay? Now, that is paganism. That has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Okay? We're going to look at all the supposed parallels that they talk about in the Zeitgeist movie, and really, it's obvious 
their their assertions are ludicrous. So if we go further, what do all these God babies that we just talked about have in common with each other? Well, for one, they're all supposedly born on December 25th. Which is where we derive the pagan celebration of Christmas from. Which was originally known by the Romans as Saturnalia. See, Saturnalia was originally celebrated by the Romans. Well, what is the Catholic Church called? The Roman Catholic Church? Ah, what did Constantine do around like 318, who was actually considered the first pope? Roman Emperor, first pope, Constantine guy. What did he do? Well, at the Council of Nicaea, and these types of things, he went and he basically started amalgamating paganism and pseudo-Christianity into one big unhappy mess. This is where we get the start of the Roman Catholic Church. This is where these holidays that were pagan to the core, like Saturnalia, became Christianized. December 25th was one of the chief ones, Saturnalia. It was one of the chief times of debauchery, drunkenness, orgies, the whole nine yards. Valentine's Day was another one of them. Halloween was another one. You could go on and on and on. December 21st through 22nd was the winter solstice. Now remember, this is all about astrology. It was also called Yule. This, this celebration of Saturnalia on December 25th was intimately tied into this celebration of Yule, which was December 21st and 22nd, which had a lot to do with the winter solstice. Okay? When the sun begins its northward trek in the sky, the days begin to grow longer again. Pagans celebrated the winter solstice by burning the Yule log. Since the sun, had, which was really a phallus symbol, okay, the Yule log was a phallus symbol, since the sun had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky, pagans believed that this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out on Halloween, which is what we're getting ready for in, in, in a few next days. And this is stuff, now, again, I need to emphasize this. I'm going over all this today, and, I'm, and I did the teaching on Halloween, and all these teachings I put up there. I'm not just putting this up there for so we can, we can be... Um, Rich with knowledge. These are things we need to be praying about. We need to be praying against the human sacrifices that are playing at high level occult rituals. We need to be praying against the wickedness in high places. The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood, but against princes, principalities, rulers of wickedness in high places. Then it goes on to tell us to put, therefore, on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians 6. So these are things we need to be doing. I'm not just putting this information out to tickle your ears. I mean, yeah, I want you to be educated, but these are things we need to take action on as well. If we had a ton of born-again Christians that could direct their prayers in the proper way, then I think we could accomplish amazing things. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That's what the Bible says. But if you don't know something's wicked, and you don't know these certain holidays and these certain things are even wicked, how do you know to even pray about it? Well, is, don't you think that's exactly what Satan wants? To keep you in the dark, so you'll never even know to pray about any of this stuff. So, I apologize, because I don't emphasize that point enough, because I get off on, a, on a, you know, my teachings, and I don't think about, okay, what do we need to be doing with this? Praying and fasting. Fasting is, is one of the best ways to supercharge your prayers. Jesus said there's certain demons that can't be cast out unless, but by prayer and fasting. There are certain demonic entities you can't deal with unless fasting is also behind it. Remember, it's his rule book, not mine. So if we go further, since the sun had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky, pagans believed this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out in on Samhain, which was called Halloween, were accepted by their gods. This was the ultimate fruit of the human sacrifices. The Roman Catholic Church later changed the day of celebration to December 25th, calling it Christmas. This is how we got Xmas. I don't even like calling it Christmas. I don't even want to have anything to do with where I would even yoke up Christ's name with that pagan holiday. Roman Catholicism is a demonic blend of ancient pagan religions made to look like Christianity. And this is what the zeitgeist is so good at doing, making the Roman Catholic Church appear as the church. And it's not. Christmas was not, that's why with this teaching there's so much to refute. Because there's so much lies in the first 37 minutes of this, that it, it's going to take me a long time to get through all this. But it's necessary. 
Christmas, Xmas, was not among the earliest festivals of the church. It was not celebrated, commemorated, or observed, neither by the apostles nor the apostolic church. Well, are we better than they in the, in the Laodicean church? Oh yeah, we, I'm sure we're better. Give me a break. Not for at least the first 300 years of church history. History reveals that around 440 AD, the church of Jerusalem commenced the celebration of Christmas following the lead of the Roman Catholics. It was sufficient for the early Christians that Jesus, their Lord and Savior, had been born. They praised God that Jesus Christ had indeed come in the flesh. The day and the time of his birth had no relevance to them because Jesus was no longer physically on earth. The Bible talks about not putting one day ahead of another in, in, and that Paul talked about this in, in Galatians where he said these people that wanted to go back into the law and celebrating all these particular holidays and days and feasts and things like this. He said, I'm, I'm afraid of you lest I've bestowed upon you my labor in vain. In other words, all the things Paul was trying to teach them that were not under the law anymore, these types of things, they weren't wanting to, to know. They wanted to be under that bondage of having to do this and do that and all this stuff. True Bible-believing Christianity is not about that. The day and time of his birth had no relevance to them because Jesus was no longer physically on this earth. He had returned to heaven and he was risen. Exalted, he was the risen, exalted Christ to whom they looked and that by faith, not a babe laid in a manger. Jesus Christ is no longer a baby, no longer a Christ child, but the exalted Lord of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Hosea 4, 6, and 7 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. That thou shalt be, a, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Okay, so it's very important what knowledge that we reject. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore will I change their glory into shame. Seemingly forgotten is the essential role religion played in the world of ancient Rome. But the Emperor Constantine understood this. By giving official status to Christianity, he brought internal peace to the empire. See, what they were trying to do is kill all the Christians off, but that wasn't working. The more they killed them, the more the religion grew. Because people would see people dying for their faith, and they are saying, hey, if they're willing to die for this, there must be something pretty good. You know, and it got people to take notice. brilliant military commander, Constantine, he, he had also the genius to recognize, he had the demonic genius, I should say, to recognize that after declaring Christianity the, quote, state religion, Constantine forced all the pagans of his empire to be baptized into the Roman church. There was, I mean, talk about being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Whoa. There was, there was need for true union, though, between paganism and Christianity. The corrupt Roman church was full of pagans now masquerading as Christians. All of which had to be pacified. Got to make everybody happy to be politically correct. What better way to Christianize their pagan idolatries? Thus, the Babylonian mystery religions were introduced by Constantine beginning in 313 AD and established a foothold with the holding of the Council of Nicaea of 325 AD. The Constantine-led Roman church was more than willing to adapt and adopt pagan practices in order to make Christianity palatable to the heathen. Constantine used religion as a political tool, totally devoid of any true spirituality. Pagan rituals and idols took on Christian names. Jesus Christ was presented as the Son of Righteousness. And you can, you can get that from my, uh, Malachi 4.2, but what it did is... The sun, S-U-N of righteousness, replaced the sun god, Horus. But this is the Roman Catholics doing this. These are pagans. These are actually Satanists at their core, Luciferians. This wasn't the, the true Bible-believing church doing this. This was the Roman Catholics. The worst of the worst. So he... the. the Jesus Christ, the Son of Righteousness, would replace the sun god Horus, or some called him Tammuz, or Sol Inviticus. Pagan holidays were reclassified as Christian holidays, or holy days. Get it? That was their pagan holy day. That's where we get the word holiday from. December 25th was, quote, the victory of the sun god. 
September 25th was the Victory of the Sun God Festival in the pagan Babylonian world. That's what it was referred to as. In the ancient Roman Empire, the celebration can be traced back to the Roman festival of Saturnalia, which honored Saturn, the harvest god. Saturn is also the sixth planet from the sun. Saturn has six letters in it. Saturn is very close to the name Satan. Saturn is also very closely associated with the six-pointed star which is the most wicked symbol in all of witchcraft. Oh, but I, I might be accused of being anti-Semitic if I say that. Well, read, listen to my teaching on the hexagram. Remember hex, being curse. Okay? Listen to that teaching, and you'll see it has nothing to do with me being anti-Semitic. Just pointing out facts. So, he was also, our, uh, also known as Mithras, the god of light. Both were celebrated during or shortly after the winter solstice, between the 17th and the 23rd of December. Now this was the pagan festival of Saturnalia, in the Roman Catholic Church. To all the ancient pagan civilizations, December 25th was the birthday of the gods. The time of year when the days began to lengthen. Now, in other words, December 25th was actually considered the birth of the sun god. Okay, Tammuz being the first official sun god, Tammuz Nimrod Semiramis, okay? So that's what it was celebrated as. Okay, it had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And we're going we're gonna to look at when was Jesus born anyway, and it sure wasn't December 25th. Okay, we're going to do a slight teaching on that because I think I have to clarify that point. I don't want to go down too many rabbit trails, but it's, it's important if somebody's listening to this, I want to try to cover the bases. I know it's, I'm long-winded as it is, but we, we got to cover the bases here. So, to all ancient pagan civilizations, December 25th was, was the birthday of the gods, the time of year when the days began to lengthen and man was blessed with the regeneration of nature. See, they believed the days started to lengthen because their sacrifices were being appeased. They were so proud and arrogant to think that because they did human sacrifices and things like this, that now the sun was actually changing its course. How arrogant, prideful. Well, pride goeth before a fall and haughty spirit before destruction. That's what the Bible says. Moreover, all of December 25th's Babylonian and Roman festivals were characterized by a five to seven day celebration of unrestrained, promiscuous revelry and licentiousness. Debauchery. Okay? In order to make, and you know, that's why, you know, talk about the Bible says one of them to call good evil and evil good. Well, talk about calling good evil. I mean, you're taking something that's totally evil and now you're calling it good. But it doesn't matter how much you call something evil good. It's never going to be good in God's eyes. It's always going to be an abomination. In order to make Christianity palatable to the heathen, the Roman Catholic Church simply took Saturnalia, adopted it into Christianity... And then eventually many of the associated pagan symbols, forms, customs, and traditions were reinterpreted or Christianized in ways acceptable to the lukewarm Christian, to those of the lukewarm Christian faith and practice. Well, hey, we can have our cake and eat it too now. We can be like pagans. When, when they, they have their holidays, we just kind of put a, a Christian veneer on them and that way I can placate my conscience. I can have a little brew cream religion, a little dabble do you. In fact, in 375 AD, the Church of Rome under Julius, Pope Julius I, merely announced that the birth date of Christ had been discovered. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take what a Pope says. The Vicar of Christ. That's what they call themselves. You know what Vicar means? Substitute. They should be the Vicar of Satan. He's a substitute Satan on earth, embodied in human form. That's pretty much what the description of a Pope is. So Pope Julius I merely announced that the birth date of Christ had been discovered to be September 25th. Again, a really accurate source there. And was accepted as such by the faithful. Oh, good. The festival of Saturnalia and the birthday of Mithras could now be celebrated as the birthday of Christ. Well, isn't that convenient? So when this when this Zeitgeist movie makes all these assertions that, oh, 
Christ was, you know, they're, they're, they're basically throwing, they're basically saying Christ was born on December 25th, just like every other pagan deity. They don't even have, they don't have anything right. They're so far off base with so many of these things because they haven't done their homework. Why? Because it doesn't suit their agenda. It doesn't suit their agenda. It doesn't matter if their agenda is totally false. They're going to lie and do whatever it takes in order to convince you that they're telling the truth. So if we go further, the fester, festival of Saturnalia and the birthday of Mistress can now be celebrated as the birthday of Christ. The pagans flocked into the Catholic places of worship because they were still able to worship their old gods, but merely under different names. It mattered not to them whether they worshipped the Egyptian goddess mother and her, her child under the old names of Isis and Horus, or under the names of the Virgin Mary or the Christ child. It didn't matter to them. Either way, it was the same old religion. That's all they did. Paul says to turn from idols, not to rename them and Christianize them. Where does he say that? 1 Thessalonians 1, 8-10 through 10 and 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, uh, 22 also. Roman Catholicism's Xmas Day is nothing but baptized paganism, having come along much too late to be part of the faith once delivered unto the saints. Now, was Jesus born on December 25th? Luke 1, 5-25 is the record of the angel's announcement to Zacchaeus that he and his wife Elizabeth would soon have a son, whom they would call John. Zechariah and Elizabeth were quite elderly. They had no children, and the angel gave them the wonderful news that they would have a son to be named John. Verses 23 and 24 tells us that when Zechariah finished his service in the temple, he returned home. This would have normally been in early June. Upon his return, Elizabeth became pregnant. Verse 26 then says that in her sixth month of pregnancy, in December, the angel Gabriel came to Mary to tell her that she was about to become pregnant with the Son of God. Nine months later would have been September. Now, I'm going to have all this up there. Okay, this little short teaching. We could go a lot further down this rabbit trail. What I'm trying to establish is that there is no way Jesus Christ could have been born on December 25th. For many reasons. Okay, so again, reference Luke 1, 5-25, and you can get this PDF format. Now, let's go further. How else do we know that Jesus was not born in the winter? Well, Luke 2, 8 speaks about the shepherds near Bethlehem who were in the fields, watching their flocks at night. Shepherds in that region did not keep their sheep out at night during the winter because it was too cold and sometimes even snowing. But they did, but they did keep them in the fields during the fall. After this end of the summer harvest, at that time, the sheep could eat the stalks of grain left over after the harvest, and they would then fertilize the ground prior to the late fall planting. Okay, so that's another way that we can prove that Jesus Christ wasn't born on December 21st. Third way, also, Luke 2.1 says that when Mary was just about to give birth to Jesus, she and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem to fulfill their obligation to be counted in a Roman census. They did not travel in winter because it would have been much too hard. Rather, people traveled in the fall, and that's the time they would set the census up. Okay, Between the heat of summer and the cold of winter would make sense, doesn't it? And at that time of the year, the grain and some of the fruit that were ripe, travelers were allowed to eat some of the gleanings, according to Leviticus 23-22, as they passed by. So there would have been like food on the way. I mean, how much more reasonable can you get? So again, this would all line up that basically, most likely, Jesus was born around September. Okay, now again, we can't get super dogmatic. And the Bible will not give you an exact date, because just like God didn't emphasize the stars in Genesis that we talked about very much. He created them. It was like one line said he created them. He's not going to emphasize the birth date of Jesus as far as an actual date because he knew what would happen. People would start worshiping and, and, and doing this and doing that and, and he didn't want that. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one here and we're going to go to part two right now. God bless you.